I just gotta say, man, sports suck. Yeah, we're we're, uh, we're recording this. It's December fifth, right after week whatever this is, twelve or thirteen or whatever. Uh, as a resident Vikings fan, um, I can't say I didn't see this coming. Uh, a Jared Goff game-winning drive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you and your coach literally took timeouts at the end of the game when the offense didn't have any to let them get their shit together. Yeah, you know, that's just the type of guy Mike Zimmer is. He just really likes to give the other team as many opportunities to win as possible. Which is funny because the Lions do the same thing. Right, it's 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 just like, who wants to lose more was kind of what it came down to. Oh. And Minnesota showed why they're... Why they're five and seven today? Are they five and seven now? Yeah, that sucks. Well, I don't know, man. It's it's tough to be a Vikings fan because you literally only play close games. You only play games down to the competition, whoever it is. That's right. Could be the best team in the league, worst team in the league. You're going to be in, in the exact same kind of game every week. They said nine out of their past eleven games have been decided by seven points or less. And you have what three overtime games already this year? Yeah. And one and two in those games, or two and one. Uh, one and one and one and two, or two and two. I have to go back. It's just this like pile of trash. Like, I just expect it to come down to uh, the last two minutes every game. It is an experience. I, I just in general, just sports, man. I wish I didn't care. I've I've hit that point. I'm 30 years old. I've spent an inordinate inordinate amount of time following well at least two sports very closely and got nothing to show for it just pain yeah that's true i i got the lebron cleveland championship you you have that i have that you have that because that's your favorite player it's easily your top tier like sports follow right yeah 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 definitely I've I've kind of shifted more to the Trailblazers since LeBron went to LA because mm-hmm. it's a little awkward with him being in the West. Yeah. Still root for him, but yeah, that was definitely that was the pinnacle of my LeBron fandom. So you had like a justified sports experience because you've watched LeBron get to the top of the mountain four times now. Yeah. You know, in in different contexts, and it's like you've had like a fulfillment in all of the effort in like thought you've put into that whole player experience yeah man from the shitty early lebron cleveland years with those terrible Cavs teams to the to the heat and then finally to the the epic 2016 championship over the warriors and that game seven so you can die fulfilled you had the moment you had the moment i had that moment that you were wearing the jersey of the guy that was the champion that's right I had that. I am waiting for that. <laughs> you've, had, you've had some opportunities. Yeah. And it's like, it's getting that close and not actually doing it is so much worse, I feel like. Because you, you just think about the what ifs in a, in a way that's way more extreme, right? Because for the 49ers have two Super Bowl appearances in the last decade. And the, and the 49ers are who I care about the absolute most of all the teams or people I follow. And it came down to a goal line stand 
in the Kaepernick Super Bowl and a third and 15 in the Mahomes Super Bowl. And to be fair, you've had you've been close a lot more than just twice, too. Uh, in the super, it, like with the team? Yeah, because you lost some NFC Championship games, too. Yeah, we've lost two NFC Championship games in this last decade. But between before and between those has been horrific teams, mostly. Just bad teams, right? Yeah. And I was trying to think about it as like a dining experience, what it's like. And when you go into a season and you have a season where your team is really good, like could be a championship team, it's like you are at a really nice steakhouse. And the whole experience of that good year is like you've had a great appetizer, your drink is good, your company is good, you're laughing, and you had this delicious steak, and everything just feels perfect. And then losing a championship, it's like you start to feel that like rumble in your stomach. And you're like, oh, shit, I have food poisoning. And you <laughs> got to go shit your brains out. And then you come back to the table and you see the bill. And you're like, oh, my gosh. So this you, is so way more than I expected to pay. And I'm going to have to be paying for this for who knows how long. Would you rather have that experience or basically be dining at Jack in the Box for 10 years straight and then getting to the steakhouse 10 years later and having just a perfect experience across the board? I want the one perfect night. I just want the one perfect <laughs> night because if your team sucks, you're basically, it's like it's prison food. You expect the thing to suck. And then maybe, maybe you get a brownie on a Tuesday. You're like, oh, I didn't expect that. You get a win you didn't expect. And so you have this like way to be impressed when you expect to be good. And then it sucks. It just, it puts you in a mindset that's just worse. I think. I don't know. I I think it's more fun to be relevant in the mix and like in the mix because Minnesota has been in the mix for a long time. Like they haven't just been just yeah. atrocious. Like really, like they haven't been like the Lions, right? Where they're like one in fifteen really bad, or yeah. just just abysmal, right? They're always kind of around five hundred or better. They haven't really like completely tanked or fallen apart. So I don't know. I, I mean, you have the the miracle in Minnesota or whatever that Stephon Diggs yeah, dude. catch was like that was amazing. There's probably audio of me talking about that on this yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but and so maybe you're right. Maybe those moments, like Mostert going for 200 yards and four touchdowns against Green Bay in 2019, like that was sick, you know. But losing, like not getting all the way, is what you always think about. But if you think about it, like. From if you make it to the playoffs to like when the Super Bowl is at most, that's like two or three weeks, like of actual like physical time, right? So like it's not like you're missing out on that much football, really. It's really like typically like one or two games if you make it to the playoffs. Yeah, but I'm talking about the emotional toll. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, getting it's the fact I care. That's get, the part I yeah. hate. Getting to the top of the mountain and then getting your ass beat by yeah. by Baltimore or Kansas City is pretty rough. Yeah, whoever. I mean, even like earlier this year in this season with the Niners when they lost to Green Bay on that, like we gave Aaron Rodgers 37 seconds and they kick a game-winning field goal. I'm going, I ran that back in my mind for like four or five days straight where I was just like, we would have done this different. And it's the, the same point, like I'm not doing anything at all that's related to the team's success or failure. I just watch and I care. Yeah. Like, I want to emotionally detach. 
that's right. my thing. So speaking like, of emotional detachment, San Francisco played Seattle in Seattle today. Yeah. And they lost. Yeah. That makes four consecutive losses. Yeah. To the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. The the now four and eight Seahawks. Yeah. Regardless of Seattle's record, because Russell Wilson has been playing like ass ever since mm-hmm. he got back from his injury. What are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, we suck. They own us. <laughs> They they own us like it doesn't matter. Like, do you think it's do you think it's like a juju thing? Yeah, or? it's something. I don't know. It's like a it's a mind game. I mean, we're sixteen and four over the last. No, Seattle is six has sixteen wins against our four wins over the last twenty games that they've played against each other, and they just own us. And I went into this game knowing we were going to lose. I was like, we're the better team. We're you know should theoretically be on a hot streak right now. Played really well our last few games, and I knew that we would just lose to Seattle. It didn't happen. It's just how it goes. The sun <laughs> rises, the sun sets, and we lose to Seattle. That's the that's the whole thing. It's exhausting. So on a on a leash scale for Kyle Shanahan, of he has no leash because he's just an amazing an amazing coach. Mm-hmm. Or to to a six inch leash leash. Where is a uh, where's Kyle Shanahan right now for you? Um. That's a good question with him. Yeah. He frustrates me because it's not that he's bad at calling games, but his personnel decisions are what makes him such a frustrating coach. And riding Jimmy G for so long, it's like it's like his whoopee or something. Like he just like feels comfortable putting Jimmy in there, even though Jimmy is so inconsistent and limited as a quarterback. It's like he's not willing to just take the risk with the guy that they traded up to get in the draft. So I don't know, like, I don't know if this is just John Lynch, our GM, not being strong enough and telling Kyle, like, no, dude, you can't do it this way. We're not drafting this guy or we're not going to, you know, go this direction with the personnel. So I just wish we'd move on from Jimmy. That's what it comes down to. And, and I don't know why Kyle's so scared to do that because he always goes back to like, well, we win games with Jimmy. And it's like. Yeah, but we also lose a lot of games because of Jimmy. We lost <laughs> a game today because of Jimmy. I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And Jimmy's fine. Like he, you got Kirk Cousins. Like they're like the same kind of player. Yeah. Like he's fine, but he's not going to win more games than he loses, probably. Yeah, it's he's a perfectly average starting yeah. NFL quarterback. Yeah, they're a 500 quarterback, and you can't be a 500 team and expect to win a championship in the NFL. Yeah, take risks. Yeah, you got to be. You have to have a difference maker at QB. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm over the Jimmy era. I'm ready to just see if Lance is a guy that can play or not. If he can't play, well, let's figure it out sooner than later. You know, I, it's this whole dilemma of like, well, we're in win now mode because our team's pretty good, and I'm like, well, we don't look that great. We're six and six. We lost to Seattle. They suck. So, yeah, I don't know. You guys don't want to hear me talk about the 49ers forever. I just want to detach from my emotional. St- you know, stake in this whole NFL experience. And that's why I watch the Premier League. Yeah, I feel like I feel like soccer's where American sports fans go when they're when their pick teams just, just don't cut it for them, right? Maybe. It, you can jump in, it's a fresh start. It seems like there's a lot more uh it's not like the same team wins every year in Premier League. Mm-hmm. There's it's a lot more competitive. Yeah. Because typically in the NFL, there's there's one or two good teams. Then there's just a pile of mediocre 500. Then there's just a little bit of like dog shit. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and like European football is interesting because it's dominated by super clubs that have so much money that they dump into their teams and you know, it's the same faces, but for me it's just that I'm not like I don't have the history with all of it. So it's like I get to walk in unbiased and with fresh eyes on everything and I just kind of pop in, pop out and I don't like feel the same kind of like trauma from my American sports teams that I try and follow. So yeah, I recommend it. And the games are great, dude, because you, you get no commercials for the halves and you basically know when the game's going to start and when it's going to end. And you, you know, go on with your day where like an NBA game now, or, you know, definitely an NFL game. That's like a three hour commitment. You know, you're looking at like a two hour or less commitment with a soccer game. So that, that actually in this phase of my life is pretty, pretty enticing. I think it's the weirdest thing is just they're on at weird times. It's hard to being like in the morning and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. you could have like a game at like six a.m. or like that's true, or one at nine a.m. For NFL, it's, it's same times every week. NBA, it's always gonna be in the afternoon or evening. Like, yeah, well, they're they're uh, predictable time periods, so it's just a different like you're watching them earlier than you're watching them later, but. I don't know. It's not for everybody. And some people just like soccer. It's like boring. But I am very interested in how the whole strategy of soccer works. So that that keeps me in it. And I get why some of our American friends would be like, it's boring as crap. But, you know, that's just me. But you know what? Let's not talk about sports anymore. Let's talk about a real competition that matters. And I'm talking about Halo Infinite. Taylor, talk to me. Halo has been a big part of your life, my life. Yeah, your... man. I, I remember I remember getting teabagged as a young tyke playing Halo 2 system league. Can you explain what a teabag is? So, for those of you who have never played Halo or unfamiliar with the term teabag, what happens is when you kill an enemy player, there's about four to seven seconds where they have to view their dead body before they respawn. So what you can do as the player is you crouch your crotch right over their yes. face. And it's a it's a form of humiliation for mm-hmm. the enemy team. And it's it's known as a tea bag. Like dipping a tea bag in a drink, you know, that's right. That's one that's one, that's one that's one definition. Yeah, that is the definition. Right, but this is more in the uh kind of the urban definition more so than the uh Dipping a tea bag. <laughs> I think I think saying you teabag to something nobody like is making their tea in the morning like I'm teabagging it. I know they're I'm steeping saying it's their coffee. It's, it's, it's their talking tea. more about putting your balls. No, they're uh, that's why I'm saying teabagging is you're only talking about putting your balls in somebody's face. Right, right. Yeah, you were saying why it's <laughs> called that. Anyway, it's it's a form of humiliation. It's almost as old as modern gaming. Like it's it's ancient. It's it works it's better in Halo than Call of Duty because Call of Duty's got a quicker respawn. So it's hard. Mm. It's like pretty much impossible to get the teabag in. And the, the dead body stuff. Like in Call of Duty, I think when your your body, when you die as a player, it just becomes nothing. Yeah. Where it, in Halo, when your body dies and it's still there for the five or ten yeah, seconds. Yeah, your, your corpse. You have like a dead like sack of flour on the ground that you can kick around. Yeah, the corpse is there for you to mess with for yeah. a few seconds. So you can, you know, you can Interact punch with it. it. You can move it around. Right. There's a way to teabag where you can actually get the body moving up, exactly. and, up and down. Exactly. It's beautiful. 
but there's a there's a problem with modern Halo players that we're seeing, and it's it's that they don't know how to teabag. Yeah, it's a problem. So rather than being right over the the dead player's corpse, they might be three feet away from it and just start hitting the crouch button rapid fire, just mm. going up and down. It's like a weird dance move. It doesn't get the humiliation across, and I think the younger Halo generation needs to fix it. Yeah, it's a laziness. It's a lack of attention to detail that needs to be cleaned up. But I didn't realize this was the only thing you were paying attention to with Halo Infinite. You asked me what it was. I asked you about Halo as an experience. (laughs) No, and I said I've been playing for a long time. And then you asked me to define teabagging. You told me to say... True, okay. You derailed me. But anyway, Halo Infinite, it's been delayed a year. It was supposed to come out with the release of the Series X last year but they pushed it back. They wanted to give a little more time in the oven. Um, I was a part of the uh, the technical preview Ooh. a couple months ago. Are you um, special? And I've been playing the beta, so I've got a lot of time with the game. And I've, I've got mixed feelings on it at the moment. And what are those feelings? I think it looks great. I think it runs great. I think the guns feel great. I think the maps are decent. I think it's a massive improvement over Halo 4 and Halo 5, the last two games by mm-hmm. 343 Industries, who took over Halo from Bungie once they had their divide with Microsoft. But there's this issue in gaming right now where developers seem to be releasing games before they're like fully cooked, and they don't give like a lot of content, and then they're like, okay, we're going to add content over the year. So a year from now, it might be a complete game. And I'm not here for it. Like, for mm. example, our our favorite game type, me and Ben, is is SWAT. It's a tactical slayer. Mm-hmm. So you play with a battle rifle, and headshots are insta-kills. So there's no shields. Yep. There's no radar. There's no grenades. So it's all about precision and speed and strategy. Like, that's kind of mm-hmm. what it's all about. There's Sight no, lines, the whole deal. There's no trash. There's no trash grenade throwing, no rocket launchers, none of that stuff. But they haven't added that playlist to Infinite, and they've said that they're going to add it down the road, but I find it frustrating. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard to add a playlist that they know everyone loves, like, when the game's ready. Yeah, the game that they've released has just a really limited playset in general, right? Yeah. It's basically, Halo has, I don't know, 10 to 15 game types that people are pretty familiar with. That's usually accessible, and this has like four or five. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a way 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 scaled version of what people are used to with the Halo game. Yeah, well, and and there's also a problem they don't have a dedicated Slayer playlist, which mm-hmm. Slayer is easily the most popular Halo game type. It's essentially if you play Call of Duty, it's team deathmatch. It's the it's the four v four. Yep, you win by Whoever killing kills. the other team. This many players in an amount of time yep. wins the game. You play to fifty. It's it's as old as modern FPS gaming. It's like the original game type, right? So, it's just really frustrating because, like, with the delay of the year and it coming out, I was like, "All right, this can be my game again. This is gonna be like my Halo Three all over again," where I played the absolute shit out of Halo Three for, I don't know, probably three to two, four, two to three years, probably. Yeah, two to three years of just consistent playing this was my game and with the lack of content 
and if they don't add the playlist that we've been talking about, I I just don't see it mm-hmm. having legs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know the phenomenon now with developers. It, the game is free, right? The multiplayer version of it, which is a new model for the a lot of these games because they're like, well, we'll just give everybody the game because then we get more engagement, and then hopefully people spend money on all the bullshit and we'll make more money that way, which I'm really curious. It must make them more money than just paying for the game outright. Or have you seen any stats with that? Well, if you look at like how much money Fortnite's made compared to mm-hmm. I mean there's a few exceptions like unless you have a mega mega hit like like Grand Theft Auto 5 or something insane where I think Grand Theft Auto 5 made like 5 billion dollars or something Jeez. just from all their sales. Um and yeah. they've been peddling that game for almost a decade now, right? Yeah. Well, in adding content and people buying the yeah. in-game currency and stuff. Um Yeah, like with something like Halo where it's Historically, it's only been on Xbox and occasionally PC with an emphasis on Xbox. It's just hard to compete with cross-platform games that are on everything. Mm-hmm. And so I do think going free-to-play is probably a good move for them. Because for one thing, they don't have to like re-release games every year. They can just add content and kind of build on... Yeah. Kind of like how Fortnite does, where they do seasons, where it's just kind of constantly evolving. Um, so it's, it's probably good for them, but as kind of a more traditional gamer, I would rather pay money for a more premium ready to roll game than, than this free to play model they have. And I think that's where I feel alienated with this new model is the whole infrastructure. It's this treadmill that I feel like I never can get off or I I never get the fulfillment I'm looking for. It's like I'm always waiting for more things to to be released. Like it's like you said it's not done, and so I'm waiting for it to be done. And it's like I'd rather just get the done game and just play that than get it earlier or get it for free and just getting what is like what feels like a shell of what it eventually could be. I mean like w- look what we ran into with Destiny. It's like Destiny came out initially and was like, "Okay, this looks really good." It plays like the shooting part of it plays well, but it was like hollow. Yeah. There wasn't enough in it to like really get something out of it. And they had to work at it for like a year to get it to a place where it was like really playable. And then that came out and it was like, wow, this is great. And you have a lot of fun with it. You have a whole, the whole multiplayer aspect of it and you love it. And then you get to a point where it's like, oh, they want me to keep playing, but they really don't have anything for me to do. And what they do have for me to do is probably at a level of research or dedication that I, a casual or even, you know, average player couldn't get to. And it just kind of leaves you like feeling like, well, this sucks. It makes you feel like you didn't get full value for something. So I just wish Halo would have shown up in a better position than it did. Cause it doesn't feel even close to what it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely with, with kind of the hype around the game too, like that Xbox has been kind of generating, like Halo's back, basically. Well, I mean, if you look at like Battlefield, they had a bad launch, and that game's getting panned. So it looks like they didn't spend Haven't enough. Like all the last Battlefields sucked. No, not in the same way this current one has. There's just it's just plagued with bugs, and mm-hmm. it's just just kind of a mess. It's kind of like Cyberpunk, yeah, <laughs> basically. 
So Oh yes, yeah, Cyberpunk. Yeah, so I'm not ready to say Halo Infinite's gonna be bad. Um When when's your date that it's like if it's not really good by this point that you're like, all right, this was a this was a they bungled this one. Well, I think, I, I think like it just matters how quickly they add content. That's what I mean. Like, what, if they if they don't have content for you by a certain day, when are you saying like this is? I think if they sucked. if they add SWAT in a dedicated Slayer playlist by the end of this month, December, I think that I I'll give it a pass. Okay. And I think that they'll add more maps and stuff down the road. Yeah, because the map selection right now is bad. Yeah, there's only like four to six maps. Yeah, that's total. really, really, yeah, really. Yeah, so they, it gets it, it definitely gets stale. Because I, I I was thinking like Halo Three has what like twenty maps. Yeah, there's like twenty five maps. Twenty five maps that and, were just like in the game. Yeah, and they added more too. They did DLC and stuff. Right, and it's like now we show up. It's like it's free, and you get four maps. And you're like, what are we doing? Like we're going backwards. Yeah, we're not, we're not going forward. Yeah, I'll be patient to a certain extent with it. But I, I mean, just, it, it is free, so it's like yeah. it's not like it's costing you anything. No, no, no. Just but, in the sense of like time, right? Yeah. At this point, it's not money; it's time. Like we, where you're putting your time. Yeah. Because there's so much to play now. It's true. It's almost it's overwhelming. Yeah. Like you, you have a lot of options, especially with like Xbox's Game Pass, where it's like I could play a lot of different games. It's all included, but I don't know. I, I think in some ways we're chasing an experience with Halo of that's somewhat nostalgic that I think we get glimpses of at times playing it, but there we probably won't ever get to the same level. Right. Yep. That's just, uh, that's just what it's like getting older, man. Yeah. You're just trying to get that nostalgia hit. And sometimes it's hard to achieve. I'm curious when the next halo, like a new age halo game will drop. A one that kind of defines a, the culture. Cause I think Fortnite really defined obviously the last five years. Yeah. Right. That came in and that was the game for the younger generation that they'll always kind of look back at whether or not they're playing it. Like, when is that game going to come out? Because we've got these new age consoles and frankly, a, a content dearth is in terms of like games that they've released for them that really matter. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think that I think we're seeing less and less of things across mediums that dominate the culture like they used to. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, I guess Squid Game's probably the last thing that really dominated the culture. culture. Yeah, they kind of, it crossed mediums. Like, it was kind of, everyone was talking about it. Like, mm. it was, but those are kind of fewer and far between. They don't last as long. Like, there's there's not, like, tentpole things anymore. There's not tentpole, like, music or movies or or video games. I think it's, like, with the increase of content consumption and like all of the different options we have now, like I think it's harder to just dominate the the space. So you're telling me that House of Gucci isn't gonna take over the lexicon? I mean, it came out two <laughs> weeks ago to take over the lexicon. I don't know. I don't even know how it did at the box office. I'll I'll look it up right now. House of Gucci is a movie we won't, we wanted to talk about just because it's fascinating when a movie like this gets made in this day and age. Um, it, feels, it feels like a movie from a time past. Yeah. And we're all really familiar with this type of movie. We've seen it in so many different iterations where it's a true story that is going to be done in an over the top 
way that leaves you going, huh, I wonder what's fact and what's fiction. This movie was really interesting because there felt like there was segments of actors that were in different movies from each other, right? Yeah. Like, Adam Driver and Lady Gaga, the leads for the movie, they felt like they were in their own movie. And then you had Al Pacino and Jared Leto that were in their own, their own movie. Like, they they were doing, like, their approach to how they interpreted how to do that movie was so different than everybody else. I agree with Jared Leto being his own movie, but I actually thought that everyone else kind of meshed pretty well. You think? I felt like Pacino and him, like, I'm thinking about that last scene where they're, and this is going to be spoiler heavy at this point, but that, like, last scene where he just got out of jail, Pacino did, and they go back to his house. And I'm like, what am I watching? <laughs> like, that, them, like, doing dishes and and Jared Leto doing what is Sad Luigi? Is that what we're calling it, basically? <laughs> yeah, def- definitely, like, a dumber version of Luigi from, yeah. from Mario Brothers. Um yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't think I didn't have an issue with that. I I have an issue with Jared Leto across the board. And this is my issue with Jared Leto. I I appreciate his commitment to his characters. He definitely goes for it, but I find it so obnoxious. Like, I know some people are into the over the top hamminess, but I I hate it. I hated it in Suicide Squad. I hated it in Blade Runner. I hated it in this movie. I hate all of the over-the-top Jared Leto performances, even in the the little things. Mm-hmm. Did you see that movie? No, but I heard he, you know, over the thing. top. Yeah. Just it's like he's in a he doesn't know how to act with people. He doesn't know how to like <laughs> react. He doesn't know how to like kind of give and take with actors, right? He yeah, just, and I was th- I was like trying to be a little reflective on how I felt about his performance. And a first watch, I am, I was pissed the whole time. I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is supposed to be a dramatic movie, like where I'm supposed to kind of care about the characters they're building. And you're over here going, it's me, Apollo. <laughs> like, you're like literally a Mario character right now. And it's so stupid. And I'm supposed to care about the family. I'm supposed to care about the way this is breaking down. And you are just being this campy bitch the whole time. But then you think about it later and you're like, that's kind of funny. Like you just showed up. You're like, I'm just going to do it this way. And, and if I was to rewatch, I'm probably laughing at every scene he's in. But the first watch, I'm mad because I'm like, this is ruining the whole tone. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. When Jared Leto shows up for a movie... He has like a prepared way he's going to do things and he's going to do that regardless of what you do right. as the actors with right. him. It's it's like a conversation where the person has pre-recorded responses yeah. that are have like they're not affected by anything you say or do. Like they're just coming out. Like you're just going to have to deal with it. And I'm curious if he got direction that's like please be that or if he's just like no nah, I'm doing the scenes like this. Like I am I am challenged as a person mentally. And I am so pathetic. Like, it just didn't give any dimension to him as a character. Because he was just this helpless dope. Like, yeah. There was, no, there was no dimension to him. He's one-dimensional. I will say, he played a great buffoon. Like, yeah. He was a complete idiot. Complete idiot. Complete and idiot. he gets dunked on over and over and over again. Yeah. Which, I, it, with the movie, you kind of wanted him to be a person that was foiling the others. 
right? Yeah. And you got to see a, a brief interaction with him and Lady Gaga's character where she manipulates him. And you're like, yeah, he's an idiot. Of course. But they didn't in the movie explain very well, like, was this a planned thing between Lady Gaga's character and Adam Driver's character? Because it kind of felt like Lady Gaga did this on the side and totally duped him. My, my understanding I don't know. was Lady Gaga did her thing and then Adam Driver basically, like, once he found out about it, was like, all right, I guess I'm rolling with this. Let's go. That's that's kind of what I took. So what, how did you interpret Lady Gaga? Did you like what she did with it? Because she also had a very strong approach. I thought she was good. I don't know what accent she was doing. Yeah, she is Italian. Right, that sounded like she did Eastern like a Russian Eastern block. Yeah, it sounded like like the bad guys in Taken. Like he was uh-huh. like she was one of those guys' girlfriends. Like that's what she sounded like. No question. Yeah, she totally did that. And I don't know if that was just her getting in character and just you know as she amped things up, it slipped. I don't know. I'm not really I mean, the best. It's, with it's the not the first either. time in a movie where American actors have tried to do like accents for the c- country where the characters are playing. I understand why they're doing it as far as like authenticity. Yeah. Or to make it feel, yeah, kind of make it feel more realistic. But at the same time, like if you're not going to do it well, like I think you should just do the, just have American accents. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think the story changes that much. If, if Jared Leto doesn't go, it's a me, a Paolo. Like I, I don't, it doesn't change that much. Actually, it's probably better for me if Jared Leto doesn't do it. It's me, Apollo. No, I think now I'm like, I'm glad he did it. But in the movie, the first time I was pissed. I, I don't know. I feel strange if they didn't do any kind of accent, but they're all playing straight Italians in Italy. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know. But then again, they're speaking English. And so what do you do? I don't, I, I can't say. I don't really know. I think, I think keeping the accents is usually the right move. But you have to nail them if you expect people to take you seriously. Yeah. I mean, there's many examples of people trying to do an accent and failing horribly in a movie and yeah, giving up on the accent in the movie. Overall, though, I, I really did enjoy the movie. I thought it was a good time. Like we were saying, they don't make a lot of movies like this anymore. Like movies, like character-driven dramas with movie stars mm-hmm. that are kind of geared towards adults. Just a lot of dialogue, a lot of people having conversations. Like those movies feel far and few, like few and far between. And yeah. so, like I enjoyed it, but they're like it's not a perfect movie, but it was it was definitely fun. It's it's probably one of the better movies I've seen in twenty twenty one. So if you have to recommend either the Last Duel, another Ridley Scott movie, or the House of Gucci, which one are you recommending? I think House of Gucci's more appealing to more people, just generally. But like, if you're into the Ridley Scott epic, like at all, like if you're into Gladiator or if you or, or any of the other kind of epics yeah. he's done, like I would, I would go Last Duel personally. I I like Last Duel more than House of Gucci. Same. Yeah, and I was gonna say that House of Gucci is a flawed movie, but it is a movie that. I think is worth a watch. Like you, you'll probably watch it once and you'll be like, okay, that's cool. Um, the last duel I felt like was an actually kind of exceptional movie. And it surprised me because I honestly went into it thinking I would troll it because of the characters and the, uh, the <laughs> haircut choices 
and the outfit choices. And I generally do not like medieval movies. I find them usually really boring. But the way they structured The Last Duel and the themes of everything, it, I think it's pr- a very, very relevant and contemporary movie in 2021. Yeah. It's it's entertaining. It's kind of a I, – I love the structuring of the movie that you have – you have three main characters that the story revolves around and you get to see the same sequence of time from each of their perspectives. So like, I thought that was really interesting to kind of, I feel like you could watch that movie five times and kind of clue in on something mm-hmm. every Different time. each time. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just a, it's just a fun, it's kind of a fun movie. Uh, ben Affleck's great in it. Like, ben Affleck is very good in it. <laughs> He's got a supporting role. I thought he was great. Yeah, and I and I don't know if I would call the movie fun. <laughs> it's it's entertaining. I don't know if fun is the right word considering the subject of it. Okay, probably not fun. That's not the right word. It's yeah, I I think it's it's entertaining. It's entertaining and I find it compelling. And and frankly, it 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 touches some things that are very sensitive. Um and I'm going to go no spoilers on this movie um cuz I don't think a lot of people saw it. So if you do happen to listen to this podcast, all three of you who listen, um, you can have a chance to go watch it. But it it shows how strong perspective plays a part in how we interpret our lives, right? Which is an obvious statement, but seeing it laid out in film like they do in this movie, it is kind of interesting how you may look back at your life and say, oh, I, I think it went like this, but did it go like this, you know? In most cases, it doesn't, right? Because... We typically overvalue our side of the story compared to other people's. Like we think we're smarter than we are. We think we're more important than we are. <laughs> we think we remembered it better than we, we think did. we remember it better than we did. And when you go back and watch the tape and you see it, like I don't know how he filmed it in a way where you can feel it feels different. Depending the tone on, of the scenes feel different d- depending on whose perspective yes. the scene is from. You that's know, and yeah. that's where I felt like the acting was so strong. Yeah, is that we got genuinely different feeling scenes based on perspective. Yeah, because you, you could watch the same scene from two different characters' perspectives, and it feels completely different. Right. In some of the scenes, when you see them from different eyes, it are it's devastating <laughs> to see how different it could have been interpreted. Yes. <laughs> so. So pick the yeah. Watch that on streaming whenever it comes uh-huh. out. I don't know what platform it'll be on, or or rent it. It's a. Uh, and that's it's a heavy watch. It's a heavy it's, watch. It's long. It's almost three hours long. Yeah. It's heavy, but it's it's solid. It's worth your time. Absolutely. Would yeah. recommend. Yeah, I, I really was glad I saw that. And House of Gucci is one of those movies I felt like glad I saw it, but I definitely didn't feel like I thought much about it after I saw it. Minus Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, that's that's more of a fun movie than yeah. than Last Duel. That's that's a that's a fun way to spend two hours and you're not going to regret your time, but it's not going to be one. I don't think most people are going to be coming back to. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. much. So let's, uh, let's look ahead a little bit here today. I want as my de facto soup, uh, excuse me, Spider-Man super fan. <laughs> How are you feeling well, about the month of December? Are you excited for what's about to take place? I think super fans a little strong. Cause I'm, I'm not as hot on the Tom Holland. Yeah. But you are, you, I mean, I love you. I, lo- I love the Sam Raimi trilogy. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I mean, you're very invested in so there's, it. There's a lot of buzz around No Way Home because there's rumors that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in mm-hmm. it. 
logically it makes sense to me because the trailer has shown all of Sam Raimi depictions of Spider-Man's villains. Uh-huh. So Alfred Molina's back as Doc Ock. Willem Dafoe's back as Green Goblin. It seems highly unlikely that they wouldn't bring back Toby, Toby. Spider-Man at, at that point. So <laughs> Just thinking about him back in the suit, man. <laughs> I can't. It's going to be too good. There's been some sh- like some chicanery with the with the trailers uh-huh. where there's there've been some I want no spoilers by the way. Anything I don't, you may have have leaked. I don't have you know? any spoilers. Okay. There's, there's just been there's been like the Brazilian release of the Spider-Man trailer like Sony's team in Brazil. There's like an edited version looks really sketch because Lizard gets punched in the face by an invisible hand. You okay. don't you don't see a body, so you can you feel like they edited out like a different Spider-Man, so they didn't <laughs> give it away. So there's there's some stuff like that in in the trailers. I mean, Andrew Garfield's been on press doing his Netflix movie, but it almost seems like he's getting too much press for that. Like they're like, yeah, because it it almost feels like press for Spider-Man at this point. So it's a it's an awesome PR move by Sony in Marvel. So has a movie has a character in the last I'm gonna say all time had a bigger pop cultural footprint than Tobey Maguire from the Spider-Man trilogy. I, I I honestly feel like there's maybe it's just me and my little you know rabbit hole that I consume on Twitter and whatever, but the, his stuff comes up constantly. Use him in memes, use him in gifts. Doesn't matter. People care about yeah, Toby. I think I think that there's a few. So I I think Toby Spider Man. I think Michael I think Scott. The, I think the Star Wars prequels are oh, yeah. probably heavily memed, probably on the same level mm-hmm. as the Toby Spider Man, like the Hayden Christensen, you and McGregor. I think Shrek is up there. And I think The Office, too. The Office Michael is up Scott. there. I think those are the big ones. The thing is, is Toby was like the first modern superhero movie. And it kind that of really, yeah, that really caught on. It showed that there was a demand for like superhero movies, big budget kind of blockbuster extravaganzas. Obviously, you had the 90s Batman movies, but then superhero movies kind of faded yeah but with the atrocious batman and robin yeah for a brief moment <laughs> yeah it, and so and if you look at the history like sony that was kind of in marvel like marvel's like that's where they got the idea to make their own movies was seeing how successful sony was with with spider-man and so that's when we got Iron Man, and then the MCU, and the the rest is history. And it's very well documented. So I mean, really, Tobey Maguire is probably the, one of the most influential actors of the 21st century, and he's been under the radar for a while now. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't had like a starring like his last big movie was Great Gatsby in yep. in 2013. Yep. So. I, I'm sure he's living a great life. Yeah, cashing in on that royalty. I'm sure. Yeah, whatever dude, he's got I'm sure there. he's doing just fine he's with his okay. residual checks. Winning poker games somewhere. Yeah, and that's great, man. Like he he gave us some good movies in his mm-hmm. in his run. The thing about Toby is like he's got this like innocent face, but like he also comes off as like he's up to no good. <laughs> at, at, mischievous. at the same time, like. Yeah. Like he put he like he put his hand in your cookie jar and he just smiled and he was like, No, I didn't. Like he <laughs> seems me. like that type of guy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I mean and we can't we can't like end this podcast without talking about like bully Maguire, like as a 
yeah. as a thing. Bully Maguire has like taken over the internet. Yeah, it's a massive part. If you don't know what Bully Maguire is, just type in Bully Maguire on YouTube and just watch what comes up. Yeah, because... Watch all of it. Watch all 100, 200 videos that pop up and you're going to have a great time. Spider-Man 3 is an interesting movie because, one, it made the most money out of all three of the original. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. But it's also the most hated of the... But it's like, it's like back around it's to like, almost being the most beloved. It's 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 a love-hate relationship. People, it's one of those so bad it's good movies. Well, you want to talk about a movie with multiple movies inside of a movie? That's, the, that's that movie. Right, because there's the... There's like five plots. There's, there's the quote-unquote movie that you're supposed <laughs> to care about, but then there's the one where you have this love triangle with... With Peter, Harry, and uh, and Mary Jane, multiple villains that show up at different times for no reason or some reason. And it's it's got three villains in it. Yeah, and yeah, and they had to all show up in the final act somehow, and it's it's a mess. But it it's funny because it took Toby to the weirdest of places. Yeah, which was an interesting choice at the time. Black and suit Toby Spider Man is the best. I mean that's that's Bully Maguire. That's that's it's basically just pulling all of those scenes out. It's just it it doesn't make sense. Like where were they? I would have never thought to have taken because well, the first two movies he's the nice dorky kind guy. Those two movies are more grounded. Yeah. Well, I, I mean Peter Parker as a person is a kind person, right? He's a nice guy. Yeah. He's not a jerk. You know he's snarky, but he's not he's not rude. And then Dark Suit Spider Man in the third movie, it's like we're gonna make him a complete asshole, a complete dick, but like a very specific type of but asshole. But like he's the type of dick where you're like you're still a loser. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so there's actually been discussion over this. We I'll get your thoughts on this. So there's I saw a TikTok video a few weeks ago. Is this this woman was saying that. That Tobey Maguire Spider Man is superior to Tom Holland Spider Man because being poor is an essential part of the Spider Man character. I did, I did watch this TikTok video. And Tom Holland's Spider Man is clearly not poor. Well, okay. I just recently rewatched both movies. I literally watched Far From Home last night. Excuse me. And he's has no reason to be poor, but they want to make him seem like he is poor. Yeah. Right? Like, it makes no sense for him to have access to Tony Stark's complete, like, arsenal. And he also has to live in that shitty apartment. Which isn't that shitty of an apartment. No, it's fine. Especially for New York City. So, and I, and I think that the, for me it comes down to, does Tom Holland look like a dork that gets made fun of and excluded at school? Or does Tom Holland to me looks like the kid who would be the coolest kid in school. He'd get the, he get the, the popular girl. He looks like a gymnast. Like he would not be picked on or you wouldn't be surprised if you found out he was Spider-Man. Sure. I mean, he is too pretty probably to be a dork, right? He would be popular. Yeah, he would be popular. Toby looks like a dork loser. You, if you were a kid at that school and you found out Toby was Spider-Man, you'd be like, no way. Yeah. There's no way in hell that that is Spider-Man. Yeah. Cause he's got that little bitch face, you know, his clothes are lame. Like he doesn't dress yeah, and cool. Tom Holland's got lacrosse player. Like daddy's got money. And yeah, you know, he, he's gone to private school his whole life. The, the, the 
new Spider-Man movies, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, what they do well is they actually casted kids that look like high schoolers, where Toby looks like an adult. <laughs> Every single person in that high school looked like an adult the whole time. You know, and the Tom Holland, he looks like a boy, you know? Yeah. He, he passes as someone that could be 16. And all the other kids look like they're in high school, which is, you know, a good thing, I think. Sorry, I'm dying over here. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I like the movies, I think. I don't think they're bad. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that I think that Toby's Spider-Man is a better representation of the character. That, that like, if, because Spider-Man, the thing that makes Spider-Man interesting isn't the Spider-Man portion. It's the Peter Parker version, like portion of the character. That's what makes it interesting, right? That yeah. That in the thing the Sam Raimi movies do really well is that they show a a person, Peter, who is willing to basically sacrifice his own life and happiness in honor of the greater good, right? Because they show time and time again that him being Spider Man basically ruins his yeah. his personal life. Right. He can't be with the girl he likes. He can't do well in school. He can't make money and have a good cuz he's constantly just out helping other people and they show that really well. Right. I don't see that sacrifice as much in the Tom Holland movies. Yeah, and that's been my biggest critique of the Tom Holland movies is it just he feels like an extension of of Iron Man. So how much Toby Spider-Man are you expecting in this new movie? Like, do you think it's a five minute, like we get to see him and everybody cheers and then he does one thing and then we, he walks away. I'm personally hedging my bets. I, I think he's a cameo at best. He's not in the movie at all. At worst, he's been on record saying he's not in the movie along with Andrew Garfield, but obviously if they want people to be excited, they're not going to, mention that in the if a reporter asks him but i don't see him being like a like base i don't see him having a significant part of the story personally like i see maybe 10 minutes of screen time at most i don't see him being in the movie for like 20 to 30 minutes no way okay so he pops in does something at best yeah what, what about you i think he does like a five minutes yeah yeah it's it's certainly on the table it there's just been a lot of hype around this. I think if you're curious and if, if him being in the movie is a big deal to you, I would see that movie ASAP because that's going to get spoiled quick. So quick. So yeah, I would go whether it's Thursday night, like on the 16th or the 17th, I would go quick. I wouldn't check the internet till, till you've seen it. If that's important to you. Yeah. It sucks that stuff like that gets spoiled so quickly now. Oh yeah. It'll be on Instagram and Reddit. And everywhere else. Basically immediately. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll show up. I think Andrew Garfield will show up too. If I'm being like, I think he will. I'm really curious if they do the meme of the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other in the movie. Yeah. Like, will they go that meta? They're like, hey, I'm Spider-Man. You're Spider-Man. Are they going to do that? Are they going to go that far with it? Like, as a joke? No idea. I'm I'm excited to watch. We're... A little less than two weeks from from the show, so we will uh we will definitely we are 
planning on doing a, a 2021 movies pod as our tradition. We'll try to get that out for the Oscars. This is going to be a weird year for movies because with COVID. Yeah. There's, it should be strange. There's a. I'm trying to think of like my favorite movie experiences this year. And Dune for me. Yeah, definitely not my favorite like movie experience. I think for me it was Fast Nine. I think that was. Jeez. That was I think that was my favorite experience in theaters. Also had a lot of fun in Halloween Kills, which that movie's not good, but it was a, it was a good time. Neither of those movies will be a best movie for the year. Hey man, it's it's a it's a weird year. I also watched some not trash, so so don't judge me. Like those are just yeah, it's all right. Those are my guilty pleasure franchises. Is there any other movies this year you're looking forward to besides Spider Man? Oh man, there was what was coming out. There's something coming out on Christmas. My my next one is the Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie. That's what I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I definitely want to see that one. It's not the one I'm like dying to see. Like, I, it's. I don't think it's gonna be like a game changer. I'm not like a huge PTA fan or anything. But yeah, definitely looks good. Um, I've heard a few critics talk about it, and sounds like it's solid. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll yeah. see what it actually turns out yeah. to be. But I, I watched King Richard in November, and that was actually pretty good. I was surprised. Like it was. It was solid. Like. Will, Will, good. Will Smith was cooking in that movie. Oh, dude. really? Yeah. He yeah. was back. I know we, uh, we've we talked a lot of yeah. shit on Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith is podcast. taking some lumps on this podcast. But I'm saying it now. I'm predicting Will Smith's going to win Best Actor for that movie. Really? I'm calling it. Write it in. I think it's his catch-up Oscar. Okay. He's got... He, did he ever get one? Nope. Okay. Well, let's give Will his flowers then. Yeah. This, this is us giving Will your flowers. Will, you've had a lot of L's the past couple of years. But I think this is your year, buddy. Man, it's, I'm trying to think what else came out. So we we saw Old together. Yeah, Old, we, which we will dedicate a podcast to. Yes, it we will, will happen. We will get some Shyamalan experts on with us. And we, we were will. real hot on Old when that movie came out. Like, just had a lot to say. and Didn't manage to get a podcast out. But we're going to get a podcast out and give Shyamalan his full review. And no spoilers on what, how we feel about that. Spoilers, Shyamalan can go fuck himself. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I have season tickets to Shyamalan, and I'm never getting rid of them. I, I will watch. I'm willing to sell you my tickets at the door. You can take mine and go in and watch, because <laughs> it's getting really hard. Really hard to watch. I I got to give it to him, though, man. Like he, he comes up with original premises for movies. Yeah, and then and he bung, bungles the endings. But they're they're fun to talk about, and they're fun to experience. Yeah. There's a lot wrong with that movie, but I, I enjoyed my time with it. Well, we're going to give it its full review with uh, Bill Mo, for sure. Maybe another guest contributor. And, yeah, really dive into it because there's some things that I just think are inexcusable. But we'll we'll talk about it on another podcast. So look forward to the Jaunt guys coming back, giving you guys you know some more content. It, honestly, if you are listening to us, you probably should be listening to other podcasts first. Go check out the new Always Sunny podcast. The This Is Important podcast. Those guys are hilarious. What else are you listening to these days, Taylor? Uh, I mean, I'm, I've am i been listening to the last podcast on the left last for podcast. a long time. I mean, these are all podcasts. They don't need our promotion. You probably no, already know about no, them. But they need them, though. I mean, it's, it's better listens, you know? 
Hey, hey, don't don't sell us short, man. Hey. We, we don't want to tell people to stop listening hey. to us. That's what it kind of feels it's like okay. right now. Hey, no, we appreciate those that do listen no, when they when we drop episodes and we're going on five years. That's right. We're old we're old heads, dude. Old podcast heads. But we'll have more content for you guys. Definitely do a movies pod. And you know, who knows? Maybe do another Halo pod, get really in the weeds. I don't know. Yeah, we'll do a we'll do a gaming update maybe in a month or two once Halo's had a little more time. After it's marinated a little bit. Yeah, but we just we just come back when we have something we feel like we need to talk about. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's the holiday season. We we felt like giving back this yeah. year to our to our few fans that we have. For sure. And you know, we've got some other topics we want to talk about that are just kinda, of, you know, whatever. Kind of out there, not not your normal tentpole stuff that we do. So we'll get to that and just you know express ourselves in the one way we can. It's just sitting on couches talking into microphones. So everybody out there, stay safe. Have a great holiday, Taylor. Anything else? Yeah, have a have a great holiday. Uh, enjoy your time together with with friends and family. You know, share our podcast if you feel so inclined and let's, uh, we'll definitely, we'll definitely have an update after No Way Home's out to see if, if Toby came in or not and, and expect to see us in 2022. Megapod coming Or hear us in 2022. We don't have video. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we drop a YouTube page. Who knows? Meh. All right. Well, until 2022. Wow. Can't wait. We'll talk to y'all soon.